Hey, what's going on everybody? Matt here. So just to give you guys a heads up as we, we try to go put these on the podcast form as well, I try to make sure that I don't double these up, but I can't remember if I, if I added the 23rd on the last one, but this is going to be Spring Reports for, we've got March 23rd, uh, which was last, um, shoot, what was it, uh, Two Thursdays ago, I'm sorry, then we got the 20, I'm sorry, we got March 27th, the 29th, and then today's April 3rd episodes. Hope you guys enjoy these. Uh, we will um, have, I think, a full week of shows coming out this week. So again, check those out on YouTube. They will drop there first. I will try and get the podcast feed up no later than Saturday, um, as I'm going to try and update every single conference this week with a bunch of practices now full in full swing as we head toward spring practice games. What's up, everybody? It is March 27th. Matt Bruning here with another episode of Spring Reports. We had a, a ton of SEC news in this one. Uh, a couple game scrimmages, but really was only able to find some really good notes on Ohio State. If you were following me this weekend, you got some of those updates. Um, also got some insider stuff that I wish I could share, but I'll give you guys some of the notes on what I was told. But let's jump into it. A ton of SEC and scrimmage notes for you guys here on March 27th. Though I mentioned we have a ton of SEC notes, we are going to start in the Pac-12 with Washington State. So Washington State has had a couple practices in right now, and Cam Ward has been... What has been described is, is okay. He's been improving every single week. In this last practice, he went 17 of 24, and his ceiling, they feel like, just has still not been hit uh, through three practices. They just feel like he kind of looks like the same guy from last year, who we talked a lot about on this network, is kind of like hitting these check down throws and a lot of short stuff, but not really challenging down the field. They feel like there's another gear that he needs to hit. He just hasn't quite got there. The first team offense behind Ward, you've got Nakia Watson at running back, Victor, uh, Lincoln Victor at the H, Peters at the Y, and Smithenson at the Z. Lincoln Victor has been the standout wide receiver so far, to, far of the three spring practice reports that I was able to find. Moving on over now to a ton of SEC notes. We're going to go to Alabama. There is still not a ton coming out of Alabama. Um, and a lot of this, I, I will give them credit. The, the Alabama beat reporters have openly said it's because they were covering, they were having to cover the basketball team because of their run in the NCAA tournament. But most of them will be there to give updates um, and some more interviews with Nick Saban and the coaching staff as of Monday. So hopefully this coming week today, we will get a, a ton more news coming out of Alabama. But the stuff I was able to find, uh, there seems to be a lot of praise coming the way of Juco transfer Malik Benson. Uh, he's been getting a lot of love. They've said that he has been impressing in camp. You can tell he is working extremely hard to, and I quote, be the star of this offense. On over to Florida. I have a ton of notes for you guys here on Florida. Went through a couple different practice reports. So Jack Miller gave an interview recently saying how he had a lot to prove this year, but is still kind of struggling some in the practices. Montrell Johnson has had a couple fumbles this spring, but Andy Jean, freshman wide receiver, continues to be phenomenal through practice. They believe that come week one, 
in Salt Lake City, Andy Jean will be on the field for the Florida Gators. So that is massive. They have talked about how he just looks extremely polished. If you were to just show up to practice not knowing anything about the Florida program, you would think he is a multi-year starter. He is right up there with Ricky Pearsall, who remains the top wide receiver so far this spring. So a ton and ton of praise coming freshman Andy Jean's way. Arliss Boardingham is also getting some love here. They've talked about his athleticism and his instincts as a pass catcher. They really think that he's going to be out there a ton on passing downs and could be a strong option, especially in 12 personnel, and might be a guy that gets targeted quite a bit with defenses possibly shifting toward Ricky Pearsall. So Arliss Boardingham, a name to watch. Uh, a couple other things here, and, and this one really interesting to me. The reports have been that Jack Miller has kind of been struggling, but this latest report has come out and said that him and Graham Mertz are much closer than many were expecting. While Miller hasn't been great, Graham Mertz has not separated himself. He's had a couple of good throws, but then has several passes that just fall short or are overthrown, and then Jack Miller comes in and has some really good ones. It's going to be very intriguing what happens with this. I would think that it goes to Mertz because he transferred in and, and is probably going to be the starter. But the fact that I think Mertz isn't pulling away from Jack Miller, maybe it was the injury last year in that bowl game that, that really kind of saw, you know, Jack, Jack struggling. But I don't love that Mertz has not been able to separate himself. I actually think that's that's actually really bad news if, if you're a Florida fan because – you want a quarterback here to kind of separate himself and be be the guy. And the fact that you know, I, let's be let's be honest, we all have a bad taste in our mouth because of what Jack Miller did in that bowl game. Maybe he is the guy. Maybe he is going to be that good. But those are both apparently the quarterback battle is really close. There have some practices. Uh, supposedly they had a practice on Saturday. I could not find anything on it. I will try and dig deeper. Um, and maybe we can do that on, maybe we'll do another uh, report later Monday night or on Tuesday, uh, but I couldn't find much on it, but they do have another spring practice, like a, a, actual scrimmage coming up this week. Maybe we'll get more out of that. Auburn, there wasn't much to go on. A lot of people seem to be very happy with the way Hugh Freeze is running this offense. I feel like it's projected that Robbie Ashford is going to be the starter of Auburn. Don't sleep on TJ Finley, who is getting a lot of love for how well he has been as a passer in this offense. Now, we know in the past, Hugh Freeze has had these quarterbacks that he likes to use running the ball and passing the ball, which might be why we're leaning so heavily toward Robbie Ashford. But TJ Finley is getting a ton of love for how he's been able to pass the ball and has by far been the better passer for Auburn. Moving over to Georgia. Not a lot here. Uh, we know Pierce Sperlin is out with an injury. Lawson Lucky has strung together some very good practices as of late and has been getting a ton of reps and apparently been making the most of them. Now, Georgia has become tight end you, right? We know Brock Bowers is going to be there. Oscar Delp's probably going to be the two, so we probably won't see a ton of Lucky this year. But I do think it is interesting. He's probably going to jump Sperlin, and that is solely because of the injury, but something to watch out for. Carson Beck, from all reports, seems to be apparently uh, the leader in the court, uh, the quarterback competition, though it has been reported that there's still a lot of time to go in spring, and we have the whole fall camp. So nothing's settled yet, and I don't think it will. I don't think Kirby wants Brock Vandergriff to transfer out, even if he doesn't win the job, because he wants that quarterback depth. We'll see what happens. We have seen reports and rumors that other teams are 
actively recruiting Brock Vandergriff to jump into the portal. So we'll see if he does do that. If Beck seems to be the leader heading out of spring as of now, that is what it appears to be. And last but not least, if the running back room, Kendall Milton and Branson Robinson have been getting all of the runs with the ones as has Carson Beck and Kendall Milton has come out and said that he's excited to be the lead dog this year. We'll see if he sticks that Branson Robinson is an extremely talented running back. But as of now, if Milton can stay healthy, which is a big issue with him as of late, he has a chance to really surprise people this year. Kentucky. Barry and Brown has gotten faster. That is one of the main reports coming out of this camp. I didn't think it was possible. A guy who you would probably argue was the best returner last year in all of college football is now looking faster on the college football field. On top of that, the biggest difference in Kentucky camp this year has been talking has been talked about Devin Leary's accuracy. There was a total of two drops in practice the other day, one by Tavion Robinson, and the other one wasn't technically a drop. It was an interception. That is how good Leary has been. Dane Key, Barry and Brown, and Tavion Robinson have praised Devin Leary and his accuracy in getting them the ball and allowing them to do work after the catch. We could see a very interesting offense here for, for Kentucky. Now, I know different offensive line, new offensive coordinator might be a big difference here too, but the fact that they're praising his accuracy, I think, speaks volumes of what the quarterback play was last year compared to this year. Kentucky might be a good team this year. Moving over to LSU, Jaden Daniels, Kyron Lacey, Malik Neighbors, and Brian Thomas have been the starting offense so far with Noah Kane getting the run with the ones at running back. With the twos, it has been Garrett Nussmeyer with Chris Hilton, Kyle Parker in the slot, the true freshman, very intriguing with Trey Holly. At the running back. Now, that has been the most part. We have seen apparently Garrett Nussmeyer has been getting some run with the ones, but it has mostly been Jaden Daniels. The reports are, though, that the ball is just coming out of Garrett Nussmeyer's hand differently. And, and it's noticeable. He is much more improved than what the guy they saw two years ago. Jaden Daniels has apparently had a, a couple nice throws, specifically some off-platform. But... The focus has been for him to be in more improved with his accuracy, and they're saying they're not seeing a ton of it. Again, this is going to be really intriguing to see what happens with Daniels and Nussmeier because reports continue to be very glowing about Garrett Nussmeier and not so much about Jaden Daniels. Can Garrett Nussmeier wrestle this job away? Moving on over to Mississippi State for the first time in the spring practice report. So the QB competition has been as goes. Will Rogers, Mike Wright, then Chris Parson. The running backs, Jaquavius Marks has been with the ones, Simeon Price with the twos, Jeffrey Pittman and Seth Davis with the threes. At the receiver position, you have Tulu Griffin, who has been in the slot. Justin Robinson and Jordan Mosley have been on the outside with the ones. Uh, Jaden Wally and Zavin Thomas have been mixed. I'm sorry, Rufus Harvey and Jaden Wally have been mixing in with the slot while Xavier Thomas has been mixing in on the outside. Going over to Ole Miss, this is a very intriguing report. So through three practices now with Ole Miss, Jackson Dart has been getting almost all the work with the first and second group with Walker Howard getting reps with the threes. You might say, well, Matt, I thought this was supposed to be a quarterback competition between Jackson Dart and Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders, for the first time in the spring practices, has shown up on Saturday morning in full pads but was a limited participant. 
He has not been taking snaps, but he has been in for designed runs for either himself or the running back. He is still recovering from whatever shoulder injury he suffered last year. He is yet to take a pass, folks. Not saying that this means Jackson Dart is going to be the starter, but I do think this has to be a little bit concerning that we are three practices in, and Spencer Sanders is just now putting on the pads. He's not throwing the ball, and they're only using him in designed runs for himself or the running backs. That probably changes as his shoulder gets healthy and we move into fall camps. But we'll see. I think this really helps out. Jackson Dart continue to have a stranglehold on that job. The main receiver standing out so far in spring for Ole Miss has been Dayton Wade, and Ulysses Bentley the fourth has been very impressive as well, outside of, obviously, all of our favorite running back, Quinshawn Judkins. Going on over to Tennessee, the Oregon transfer, Dante Thornton, has still not been in uniform. He has been in strength and conditioning. Um, they did see him outdoors for a little bit, but it is believed to be a hamstring issue for him. Um, he has been running a little bit of routes here and there. Um, they believe that it happened at some point in practice. Freshman running back Cam Seldon was in a non-contact jersey this past uh, practice. Um, he was involved a little bit in individual drills. Um, they did see him in the backfield a little bit, which they believe is positive. And all the reports are that it is just a minor precautionary thing that he is not suffering from anything. But they are still getting him out there to work on his technique and fundamentals at the running back position. So he's not really losing a ton of work there at the running back position, just not getting hit. Moving on over to Texas A&M. So the Aggies do not have a ton of receivers on scholarship right now. Micah Tease, Raymond Contrell are both been at practice, but star wide receiver Evan Stewart, if you did not see it, suffered an injury and has been wearing a boot on his right foot. He has also been seen in crutches, is going to be out for spring. And the more intriguing thing is that it seems like a wide receiver they had locked up through the transfer portal and UTEP receiver Tyron Smith Looks like he's backing out of his decision to come to AM. He has not been there whatsoever, and they have not heard anything from him. Freshman running back Ruben Owens has gained 10 pounds coming into camp and has been a standout player in all of camp. So right now, junior Amari Daniels and sophomore Le'Veon Moss have been running up as the number one and two back, but Owens has been pushing them, and they really believe him being in here in spring seems to be a shot, or there seems to be a lot of belief in the room that he's going to get significant snaps in year one. He's just been that much better than Amari Daniels and Le'Veon Moss. I, I, I believe it. Ruben Owens uh, is a little bit older. He is on the older side of this running back class. Very talented. Would not be surprised if we see a ton of him. Last but not least, before we get out of here, I've got to talk about Ohio State. So they had their first spring scrimmage, and it was actually open to the public this time. Uh, in the past, it has not been, so I've kind of revealed things that I was told a little bit behind closed doors. Now, so a lot of this stuff is public. Jaden Ballard had an amazing practice. He's been having amazing practices, was really good in the game. Seems like he is really going to be pushing for a starting spot or being more heavily used in the rotation. Now, I will I will give you guys some caution here. Ballard was a standout in spring last year as well. If you remember the spring reports I talked about, he was pushing Julian Fleming were the reports, and he was going to be possibly on the outside. Fleming and Emeka have not practiced this spring. They've been doing some individual stuff but have not actually been practicing with the team. Jaden Ballard is, is a truly intriguing player because he has a great connection in chemistry with Kyle McCord. If you go back and look at the few times Kyle McCord has played, 
Ballard gets targeted fairly heavily. So when they play here, they were splitting reps with the ones and Kyle McCord and Devin Brown and Ryan day wanted to see who can make it into the red zone. Kyle McCord was able to get down there multiple times, including a great play where he pump faked a cornerback. The cornerback was playing about 15 yards off. I'm sorry, not even 15. It was probably about 10 yards off of Jaden Ballard. Jaden Ballard went and looked like he was going to take like a, a quick comeback route. Kyle McCord pumped it. The cornerback bit on the route. Jaden Ballard flipped and went deep. Kyle McCord hit him for what was an easy 60-yard bomb. A couple other plays Kyle McCord made is he was in the pocket, was flushed out through a nice pass to freshman Noah Rogers on the run. Nice little touch over the linebacker covering Noah Rogers as well. Hit him in stride, almost scored. I believe he was knocked down at the one. Kyle McCord actually scored a rushing touchdown to the outside on the next play. Ryan Day praised number six for his ability to get the offense down into the red zone and execute in the red zone. He has consistently said he wants to get a quarterback in there that makes the routine the routine, but can step up when needed. We saw a lot of that from Kyle McCord this weekend. Not only his arm, but him using his legs, which I think is still an underrated part of his game that a lot of people don't give him credit for. Go watch his high school tape. He used his legs. He has dropped 10 pounds. He's been working with a movement coach. Like I, I think Kyle is going to be in for a big season. All the reports are is that he has the edge on Devin Brown. Uh, I, you know, We'll see. It is still early, but Devin Brown did not get down into the red zone, and Kyle McCord was with the offense, and they both got runs with the ones. I'm, I'm sorry. I believe Devin Brown got down there once with the ones, um, and Kyle did not get down there with the twos. Devin Brown did not get down there at all with the twos, and then Kyle was able to get down there the rest of the time. It's going to be very, very intriguing uh, to see what happens with this quarterback battle moving forward with the big spring game coming up here um, and then obviously heading into fall camp. Last but not least, I did want to mention that Cardinal Tate lost his black stripe. For those of you who don't know what that means, Urban Meyer brought a tradition of sorts over to Ohio State when he first joined in that the freshman players, not just skilled players, all freshman players for Ohio State, get just a regular gray helmet with a black stripe. You are considered a freshman or not necessarily officially a Buckeye until you lose that black stripe. Once that happens, you get the sparkly gray helmet, and you're good to go. Cardinal Tate was one of the first. Him and there was an offensive lineman today that lost their black stripes, the first two of this freshman class, um, fairly quickly, too, for Cardinal Tate. Good for him. Uh, the fastest other receiver to do it has been Garrett Wilson. I'm not trying to say that Cardinal Tate's going to be Garrett Wilson, uh, but it is really good for him to have lost it this quickly, especially with all the hype that Noah Rogers has been getting in the media. You would think he'd be the first to lose his black stripe. It was not. It was Cardinal Tate. That will do it for us today, though, for this Monday morning show. Again, I'm going to try and do these a little bit more frequently here over the next couple of days because I will be out at the end of the week. So I want to try and get you guys a couple more reports this week. So I might see another one tonight. If not, you'll see at least one on Tuesday. Thank you guys so much for checking these out. Make sure to hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, hit that bell icon so you don't miss any of these videos. And again, have yourselves a great Monday. We will talk to you guys again soon. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Spring Practice Report. We're got uh, mostly ACC and Big Twelve action. I was trying to remember if we went anywhere, went anywhere else. I did not. Uh, strictly ACC and Big Twelve practice notes for you guys, but I got a special one, and it might 
be a little bit of a letdown for some, but for me, it's exciting. You know, I'm exciting, excited to dive into it. So let's give you guys your spring practice notes for March 29th. <laughs> So we are going to jump into an, as I mentioned, strictly ACC and Big 12. I'm going to try and hit all of the major conferences and some G5 teams by Fridays. I will be going out of town, but we do have some other spring scrimmages set up for this weekend. So again, a ton of information coming over the next couple of weeks before we start hitting these spring games. But we're going to start at Clemson, where there's some interesting things coming out of this camp now all of a sudden. So for starters, it looks like a lot of these players are really doing a good job of picking up this Garrett Riley offense and kind of the way that it ebbs and flows and changes within the play. They are doing specifically a job of teaching the wide receivers to keep their eyes on Cade Klubnik, who we obviously know can create out of structure specifically when the play breaks down and he takes off and they're trying to teach the wide receivers to kind of make sure to keep some kind of eye on Cade Klubnik in case he breaks out of the pocket, you break with him to create a throwing window. Uh, that has mostly been with Cole Turner, Bo Collins, and Adam Randall, who have been switching in and out with the first team. Um, obviously, Antonio Williams is locked into his spot. Those three have kind of been switching in and out of the first team. More specifically with Randall, though, we know that he has put on, I don't want to say put on weight, he came in heavier into camp, and there were talks about his knee. So today, we got this from the wide receivers coach. He has gone through it. He has got great parents, and so I think he's got a great foundation of family, faith, and work ethic. He, reco he recovered really fast from the ACL injury last year. Then... He had the other knee deal and another surgery. He's recovering from that well. A lot of times we have to look at him and say, whoa, slow down. The key thing to take out of that is another knee surgery. As far as I know, we did not know that he had another surgery on his knee. And he also mentions another knee deal. I don't know if that's three different injuries. If the surgery was to take care of the other quote-unquote knee deal, this is not sounding good for a guy that we had a lot of hype for last year. We thought was going to be really good. Hopefully he's able to bounce back from that. But if I'm being honest, that scares me a little bit. Dealing with multiple knee injuries already this early on in his, his young career. And to come back from an ACL within like four months of tearing it. There's just a lot going on here for Adam Randall. Moving over to Florida State, they had their first spring scrimmage this past weekend. Uh, apparently, Brock Glenn impressed some in there. They said that he was making tough throws, and you can see the maturity that he has. But you could also at times tell that he was a freshman, um, specifically on an interception. And it also has been said that he doesn't seem to have the same, this is their words, oomph on the passes that A.J. Duffy and Jordan Travis has. So, interesting look at that. A.J. Duffy apparently has been playing very well as the QB2 in this offense. He's connected with Vandrevious Jacobs, who is also standing out. In fact, they had a, a nice little tandem together today uh, with A.J. Duffy hitting him with a couple big plays in practice, including Vandrevious Jacobs having a diving catch in the scrimmage on Saturday. 
it really seems like Vandrevius Jacobs and Johnny Wilson have been the standout wide receivers so far for Florida State's offense and the wide receiver course. So Hakeem Williams, a guy we knew extremely athletic, uh, has a chance to be really special. We thought might be a little bit raw coming in. And it seems like freshman Vandrevius Jacobs has really kind of stood out in camp and kind of surpassed him, at least as of now. Moving on over to Louisville, and this is going to be a little bit intriguing, at least for me. I, I have not had a chance to see a lot of Louisville. They've not published a lot of stuff. Uh, I've only been able to find stuff on two practices. Uh, they did have their third practice on March 29th. There was no notes on that that I could find. Apparently, Jamari Thrash has been like the only wide receiver doing well at Louisville right now in spring camp reports. He's had multiple touchdowns. Apparently had a really long touchdown today in practice, a couple really nice sideline catches. Jadon Thompson and Chris Bell are out due to injuries. Uh, Chris Bell, I know a, per, a player on this team, a lot of people are excited about. He has yet to practice. He has not done anything. He is out due to injury, but the reports have been that Jimmy Calloway and Kevin Coleman have stepped up and taking those extra reps and apparently are taking advantage of that, specifically Callaway, who's had multiple tiptoeing catches on the sideline. Uh, so just want to throw that out there. Looks like Jamari Thrash, Jadon Thompson, and Chris Bell are the ones as of now, but Thompson and Bell both out due to injury, and Kevin Coleman and Jimmy Callaway are really taking advantage of that, according to the reports, and, and it, it, all reports are that plumber's the guy. He he's locked this up. It's not even close with anybody else. So don't you know if you're a Pierce Clarkson fan, it it's not going to happen. Plumber's going to be the guy. Moving on over to Miami, Van Dyke seems to be thriving in the Shannon Dawson offense. It looks like Dawson is allowing him to have some control at the line of scrimmage as well to kind of check out of plays and make different calls. Um, Van Dyke seems to like that as well. Um, did have an interception in the spring uh, scrimmage, but outside of that, all the reports were glowing about Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, it seems like Colby Young. Has also been impressing a lot here for Miami. But Brashard Smith had got a lot of love for Mario Cristobal in his press conference after the spring game, along with running back Henry Parrish, who was praised for his spring scrimmage um, game. He apparently had a couple, qu quite a few long runs, looked really good. Don Chaney been running with the twos. So very intriguing to see, you know, Colby Young and Brashad Smith getting a lot of love, as is Tyler Van Dyke. Um, seems to be a fairly close battle still for the QB2 spot between Ja'Curry Brown and Emery Williams. Moving on over to North Carolina, George Petaway has been lining up as the third running back behind Elijah Green and Amarion Hampton. However, George Petaway, according to the reports, had the best day on Saturday in the spring game. He broke off multiple runs of 30 and 40 yards and had a nice touchdown, which apparently had Mac Brown jumping up and down, yelling, great run, George. British Books. British Brooks and Caleb Hood have both been limited so far the entire spring. They have worn non-contact jerseys and have only been in non-contact drills the entire spring. So I don't know that this means that those guys are going to be the top of the top of the running back board with Caleb Hood and British Brooks being out. Maybe when they come back, they compete for some of that, but they haven't been able to do anything. I mean, Brooks is seven months removed from his knee injury. Um, he was not wearing a brace, according to all the reports on Saturday, but still not taking any actual contact reps. 
the uh, the depth chart as of now looks like at least through all these practices, Drake made the one, Connor Harrell the two, though Tad Hudson does seem to be still getting some love. It looks like Connor Harrell has kind of locked himself into the two. At the running back position has been Elijah Green locked in with the ones, and then Petaway and Hampton have been switching in with the twos. The outside wide receivers have been Devontae Walker and Gavin Blackwell with Kobe Pace Soar in at tight end and John Copenhaven as the number one tight end with the twos. Andre Green Jr. and Christian Hamilton have been on the outside with Nate McCollum switching with Doc Chapman in the slot with Kamari Morales as the tight end too. You may notice that I did not mention Bryson Nesbitt at all. He has been going with the tight end three, or he has been the tight end three going with the threes, but he has been mixing with the ones and twos all over the field. There was a report I did earlier this spring talking about how they've been moving him all over the place, and it seems like that's what they're going to do. They seem set on that based on these latest reports as well. They are moving him all over in the slot, outside, at the tight end position. Bryson Nesbitt could be the guy who's moved all over this offense. Should also mention that Drake May in the spring scrimmage and in today's practice had multiple touchdown connections with Devontae Walker, who seems to be able to separate fairly easily. Again, take that with a grain of salt. We know the UNC secondary is not that good, but he also connected with Kobe Pesor and Nate McCollum on apparently some, some plays in the spring scrimmage. Moving on over to Iowa State, jumping into the Big 12 now. Uh, not much out of Iowa State. They've only got a couple practices in, not a, not a lot of notes. Uh, the one player that seems to be standing out, though, is wide receiver Jaden Higgins, who is impressing in camp and apparently looks to be the best receiver currently at Iowa State's camp. Going over to Oklahoma, this one's going to be kind of interesting. It's a little bit up and down. So on Saturday, multiple people said that Jackson Arnold looked like the best quarterback on the day. He completed a big deep pass to Andre Anthony and to Nick Anderson. Both were for 50-plus yard touchdowns. On one scram on the scramble play to Anderson, uh, a source said that Jackson Arnold was a bit up and down with the first team, though. So that's why I said this is a, it's a little bit weird what, what you hear, right? Um, you could tell apparently by the reports that the speed of things were getting to Arnold a little bit, and you could tell that he's still trying to learn the new schematics and everything. He felt like it looked like he was trying to hurry through everything. Um, but then again, that was or sorry, the all so that was on uh Thursday on Saturday. He had the two big touchdowns, one to Andrew Anthony and then one to Nick Anderson. Um, but they have said that he is looking good overall, playing within himself, but at least a little bit kind of showing some of that. But you expect, right? A freshman, you expect the, the speed of the game to kind of get to him a little bit. Dylan Gabriel is apparently exactly what everybody expected, and he's looking good. Made some couple big shots in the spring scrimmage a couple uh, today as well. Connected deep, so he looks to be doing well. Um, not much out of the wide receivers outside of the the touchdown catches and the running backs. Looks like that is switched at least for the past two days. Uh, it looks like Javante Barnes has been running with the ones and Gavin uh, Sawchuk with the twos in the first practice. It was switched around, so it looks like they're giving those guys different reps. But we expect that I, we expect it to probably be close to a 50-50 split on those guys. TCU, this is it, guys. This is it. This is the big one. So listen up. Chandler Morris has looked good. He, he's been playing well, had a couple big plays, had a big completion to Jordan Hudson today in a spring scrimmage that everybody was excited about. But Hoover is the guy who is making a lot of noise here for TCU. And I'm trying to remember what his first name is. So let me let me see if I can pull this up again. Um, Josh Hoover. 
Josh Hoover is the quarterback that they're all talking about. And I wonder, it, it seems like regardless of what we think or what I think, whatever, Chandler Morse is going to be the guy. But it doesn't sound like Josh Hoover is far behind him. And I would not be surprised that if Morse struggles a little bit, Hoover takes over. They have said that Morris, you know, he's flashed a little bit. He had a big run today. Um, again, the big play to Jordan Hudson. But they just continue raving about Hoover. Now, maybe nothing happens with that. Do you guys remember spring practice reports last year? Morris was looking great, splitting reps with, with uh, Max Dugan. But we kind of thought Morris was going to be the guy. But they love Sam Jackson. And he was balling out in spring and fall camp. They're like, this guy's the future. Then he transfers out. Now he's the starter at Cal, and from all reports, he's doing great. Just watch Josh Hoover. We want the quarterback in this system, right? And I think Hoover has a chance to possibly take over if more struggles. JoJo Earl continues to look good. He has had a great connection, apparently, with Hoover, making a bunch of big plays when Hoover scrambles and looks for a bailout. JoJo Earl seems to always be there. I, I can't stop. I keep saying, like, I don't want to pay attention to this Blake Noel stuff. He continues to be great. And, and so I think you have to note, at least note that. I, I don't know that you need to pick him up. I don't know that you need to draft him. But yet again today, he had great a great connection with Chandler Morris and Josh Hoover. Just seems to be making plays. Now, Does they're both playing in the slot, and, and Earl and Noel, and I imagine Earl becomes the starter. But definitely a guy to watch out for. But then the big one. D.J. Allen. That's right, folks. D.J. Allen. My wide receiver, like three, last year, who barely saw the field. I think he had, like, maybe two snaps altogether. Haven't seen anything from him all spring. Finally does something. Reports are when they were in their seven-on-seven scrimmage that he caught a couple big slant passes, and you could see his speed and elusiveness on the field. Reminded people of why they were so high on him last year. Uh, but outside of that, there was, a, there was no touchdown or anything like that, and that's literally the only report. I went back through four other practice reports, and that's the only mention. Probably still buried on this depth chart, um, but it was at least nice to see the name, right? It was at least nice to see the name and, and at least know that DJ Allen has done something. Texas, which is the last one for today, is I cannot get anything on Texas Tech, which is honestly a little bit frustrating. Quinn Ewers continues to, to look like the guy they thought that he could be. He's looked very impressive, apparently, all the reports in camps. And he's hitting big play Zay. That's Xavier Worthy. I don't know about the nickname. That's what they're calling him. Um, it seems like the two have really improved their chemistry over here. Xavier Worthy... Um, they continue to talk about how his hands haven't necessarily been great, but those two seem to be having some real chemistry, and the connection has been there over the past couple practices, hitting on some big, deep plays, including on the one that really kind of wowed everybody. Quinn Ewers had to improvise as defense got into the backfield, and he uh, ran out of the pocket. Xavier Worthy adjusted his route, broke off, got into Quinn Ewers' eyesight, and Quinn Ewers hit him for a big play. So big play, Zay as they're calling him down at the in the 40. The 40 acres here, big play Zay. Uh, looks like he is having himself, at least right now, a good connection with one Quinn Ewers. That'll do it for us today. As I mentioned, I will be out of town this weekend, but I don't want to leave you guys with no practice reports, so I'm going to try and do a video again over the next two nights to kind of keep you guys updated on everything. We'll go through every conference and the G5, so make sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and turn that bell icon on so you don't miss any of these videos. We'll see you guys again soon. 
What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Spring Practice Report. It's been a couple days. I was out of town, so there's a lot to catch up on. So much so that I didn't want to try and cram everything into one episode. So for today's, I'm focusing solely on the Big Ten and Big 12. I'll be back tomorrow on Tuesday. We're going to do the SEC and the Pac-12. And then hopefully Wednesday, no later than Thursday, we will do the ACC Independence and some G5s. There's been a ton of Notre Dame stuff coming out that I still haven't even had a chance to get to yet. So we're going to do recaps hopefully every day this week as we are leading into a bunch of spring games coming up. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun end to the month as a lot of these teams are wrapping up. So let's jump into a Big 10 and Big 12 spring practice reports. <music> All right, so we're starting with Illinois. Luke Altmaier transferred there to play quarterback out of Ole Miss after Jackson Dart had the season that he had, and he's been good. He's been playing and showing reps with the ones showing leadership. Uh, Not much to take away from that. It seems like it's pretty much going to be his job. I did want to mention, though, that Cal Swanson, the freshman that David on our recruiting team and I believe even our own Felix Sharp was a big fan of, has uh, been impressing. Now, he has only been playing with the developmental team, uh, but he has been impressive in that. So take that for what it's worth. Possibly a, a guy to build on in your C5 Dynasty Leagues or, again, C2C Leagues. Maybe you don't take him in the draft, but a guy to maybe – pick up later in the year, something like that. But but he's definitely impressing with the developmental team. Wide receiver Isaiah Williams, who had, you know, a, a pretty decent year last year, has been balling out in practice, and they've said that his speed is evident. The team wants to find more ways to get him involved. Uh, we'll see what that means. You know, we don't really view Illinois as this high-end flying offense. Brett Bielema there is head coach. I don't know that that changes, but they are aware of how game-changing his speed is, and they want to get him more involved in the offense, whatever that means. Speaking of whatever that means, Iowa. Not much coming out of Iowa. Cade McNamara, though, has not really been practicing, which is interesting, considering he missed kind of the end of last year's uh, season with Michigan due to some injury. Um, they Now they have said that he's out there. He's a leader. He's working with receivers and everything, but he has not been practicing much. And really the only reports coming out of Iowa is that transfer tight end Eric All and Luke Lachey, yes, that Lachey, um, are getting a ton of buzz. Uh, they've been considered dynamic by the coaching staff. They believe that this is the best tight end duo in all of the Big Ten. Uh, but the one who's been getting the most love has been Eric All for his all-around skill sets. So again, take that for whatever it's worth. I mean, we do know Iowa knows how to develop these tight ends so if you are looking at this from a campus to canton perspective you know maybe this is a good thing for for eric all moving on to the nfl i'm not expecting much out of him on the college side of things but again they really seem to love what he is doing in luke lachey as well they're talking a ton you will see a ton of two tight ends on the field for iowa both these guys could be fairly interesting so next up michigan state It is really hard to find some information on Michigan State. It feels like that first year that Mel Tucker came over, everything was open. They were happy to do all this stuff. Then maybe it was because of the down season last year, five wins. They're not showing a lot. But 
Keon Coleman has looked good. They believe that he's primed for a breakout year this year. He's been very good in practice. Uh, spring report so far. The only other really thing to come out of this is the QB battle. So I know Jared Palmgren has mentioned this on Chasing the Natty. I've mentioned it on here as well. Mel Tucker did come out and say that this is going to be QB battle. And I agree with what Jared said on, on Chasing the Natty at the time in that you don't come out and say that about a fifth-year player if you don't really mean that. And it seems like he really meant that. So all three quarterbacks are getting reps with the ones and the twos. They're switching out quite frequently. Mel Tucker said this about the three quarterbacks. Thorne has the experience. Kim has shown, Noah Kim, who is currently the, the QB2 as of right now, has shown command of the huddle and the ability to make plays. While Caden Hauser, the redshirt freshman, has great arm talent, has been accurate, and he shows a true belief in himself. All three throughout four spring practices have been within snaps of each other of winning the job. Now, I don't really know how to take this. You could take this as just coach speak in. He doesn't want these guys to transfer out. There are rumors that teams have reached out to Noah Kim about possibly transferring out. So maybe this is Mel Tucker's, you know, coach speak to try and get all three of them to stay. I still believe and maybe this is a little bit of bias. So take this with a grain of salt that Kate Hauser is the best out of the group. And there have been reports that he's looked the best, but he is still as of right now through four pra practices. And it sounds like the three, he has been taking the one, uh, the reps with the ones as the third guy. It has been Thorne first, Kim second, Hauser third. So still seems like a battle. It also seems like based on the reports that Tucker is willing to take this battle into fall camp. So we may not know anything this spring. I am looking forward to their spring game to see if we get anything different out of that. But, uh, you know, if I'm being honest, based on the reports right there, it seems like they like the, what Kim has to offer, which was is kind of surprising to me. He, he didn't wow me last year, but he seems to be performing fairly well in practice. Michigan had their spring game this past weekend. If you're a part of the Campus to Can Discord, you get to jump in and talk with Michigan's own Felix Sharp about that. I did not get a chance to watch it, but I did go back and read the reports. And it seems like J.J. McCarthy was up and down. Started out cold with an interception, but did finish the game strong. True freshman Benjamin Hall had the best game of, or the best was the best player of the day. However, I'm not going to read too much into that. Now, he did have a couple good runs. I did see those, did see the highlights. And reports are that he had the best day out of all the running backs, but he was also only one of two running backs available on the day. Donovan Edwards, Blake Horman have been out all the spring, and fellow freshman Cole Cabana was not available either. Not saying that this means Benjamin Hall is not going to be good, but I do think you have to factor that in a little bit, that he was the only one available I don't know that that means he's going to. I saw a lot of, he's going to be special on Twitter. Let's calm down a little bit. When you're the only running back available for a spring game, you're going to look special. Let's see what happens as the season progresses on. And if CJ Stokes is still that third guy, which I expect him to be behind Corum and Edwards. Moving over to Nebraska. Not a lot coming out of, of Nebraska here. A couple of interesting notes on position switches, though. Janarin Janer, Jan, Janaran Bonner. I have no idea how to say this dude's name, but he is going to be playing a hybrid tight end role. So Marcus Satterfield had spoken to Bonner here about being positionless in the offense. Bonner has seemed to take to that. He has looked very well. They're playing him at tight end, but they are moving him all around the offense within the formation at times. And he has been thriving in this position. So something to look out for. I know Jared, uh, Jared Palmgren, and um, 
Nick, I don't remember Nick's last name, but Nick did Chasing the Natty that dropped this morning talking about like players with hybrid position roles. Bonner might be a very interesting one here for Nebraska with the way they were talking about him. The other player is Jake Applegate, who was an edge rusher for Nebraska last year, but has now been getting looks at tight end. Applegate played tight end in high school, and they said that he excelled at that. And in fact, he's looked very good so far in practice playing tight end, specifically high pointing the ball. And he's got very good hands. Uh, Matt Rule and his staff seem to really like him there. So we'll see if it's going to be the Bonner and Applegate show at, at tight end and, and what that possibly could mean for the offense. You know, I know we don't, at least at Camps to Canton, a lot of people don't necessarily love the hire of Marcus Satterfield at offensive coordinator. But I do think, again, with, with the kind of shallowness at tight end, or at least the ability to kind of really jump up and be a top guy. Bonner with his position, be ability to play everywhere and having the tight end eligibility is at least fairly interesting. Moving over to Penn State, not a lot coming out of here either. We know Drew Alar is good. We know Nick Singleton's good. There's really not even much reports coming out of those two, about those two. The only really stuff coming out is that Caden Saunders has been getting buzzed for being the smoothest receiver in the room and stringing together multiple good practices. So that's good news if you drafted him last year. Now, he was a year one zero, which the theory that Austin Nace and Chris Moxley have kind of proven is that if you are a year one zero, chances of you hitting beyond really any college production is fairly slim, but at least he is getting some buzz right now in Penn state where really no other receiver is, which is going to be interesting because we expect this to be a good offense with drew our quarterback moving on to Ohio state. So on Saturday they had their eighth practice and it was also a spring scrimmage, what they call their scarlet and gray annual student appreciation day. Now students and everybody to kind of come in and watch and, well, if you were coming in to watch the offense, reports are it was not great. Uh, the defense definitely won the day. They forced an interception from Kyle McCord, and Devin Brown fumbled under pressure. Um, now, there was apparently positive moments from both of them, but neither one seemed to separate themselves. In fact, Ryan Day came out and said he would love to see one of these two guys create some separation for themselves by the end of spring. Now, again, could be coach speak because we did hear early last week that Kyle McCord was separating himself, but maybe he has taken a step back in the past couple of practices and this spring spring practice, the the scarlet and gray uh, appreciation day. Uh, but he he did not seem to really favor either one of them. Now their spring scrimmage, I believe, is on April 18th, so we're getting close to that. We're about 15 days away from their spring scrimmage. And, and Ryan Day openly said he would like to have a starter by the end of spring. So maybe we will know who that starter is. But according to Ryan Day, there's not much separation between McCord and Brown right now. So take that for what it's worth. The only player who's been getting a ton of buzz, and, and you guys know if you follow any of us on Twitter, it's Carnell Tate, uh, who got an extended look with the first-team offense this week with Mecca out. Marvin Harrison Jr. sat out pretty much the entire camp, uh, the entire practice. Julian Fleming has been out as well, um, and they've had him playing outside with Jaden Ballard. They did have Harrison in the slot for a little bit before he came out, um, and the freshman was apparently the main target for Kyle McCord and Devin Brown in the 7-on-7 seven seven and 11-on-11 11 11 sessions, including making several impressive catches. Brian Hartline was interviewed after the game on Carnell Tate and said that he is being very detailed. He's taking what they talk about in the meetings and applying it on the field. His technique and his uh, attention to detail on every play has been extremely consistent. He's hitting on everything they're asking from him. 
that is extremely intriguing because, and and I'll, I'll own up to this. I have talked a lot about how I think Brandon Ennis was the best of these freshmen. I thought once he got there, he was going to kind of take control of being that freshman to break out. If Carnell Tate continues to play the way he has this spring, I think it's going to be very hard for Brandon Ennis to pass him up, regardless of how much better I think Ennis is than Tate. Tate lost his black stripe already. He's running with the ones. Now, granted, Mecca and Julian aren't out there, but we saw last year, Again, take this for however you want. Even going back to his freshman season, Mecca was impressing in spring as a freshman and last year as a sophomore. And all the reports were, well, you know, but he's running with the twos. He's getting this run with the ones because Julian Fleming's out and JSN sitting out because of injury. So when they come back, Mecca's not going to get that role. Well, that changed come game one when Mecca was out there with the ones and making plays. And Julian never really got that spot back until JSN got hurt. I don't think that they're going to hold Tate back if they continue if he continues to impress and he continues to play that he will he will get reps and he will play. Don't know that he's going to be this massive breakout as a freshman, but I do think he'll get reps and that is bad news for a guy like Brandon Innes. Well, like they did give a little bit of love to Noah and Bryson Rogers as well. Moving on over to Purdue, and well, they just continue to say Hudson Card's going to be special. We'll see how much that really ends up being. Probably makes Colin Decker very happy, who's a big fan of Hudson Card. But Card apparently continues to impress here at Purdue camp, but he really seems to be connecting with TJ Sheffield. So if you're looking for that wide receiver you want on the Purdue offense, it looks like it's probably going to be Sheffield. Now, Brom's not there anymore, so how much does that really matter? I don't really know. But it definitely seems like Hudson Card and TJ Sheffield are connecting on another level. Moving on over to Wisconsin. So Braylon Allen was back at practice today. Um, he was kept out of team drills, but he did participate in the skeleton drills. C.J. Williams, transfer from USC, is getting a ton of love. So if you saw Corey uh, Pereira, our Debbie Lee, tweeted out, Williams started the day with the second team offense, but by the end of practice, he had worked his way into the first team unit. The Badgers targeted Williams deep, and he came up with a big catch. He hauled in three deep balls on Saturday, including one diving catch on the three-yard line. He had a bunch of chunk plays. There was no real double move or anything fancy, but he just kept getting open. That was from Saturday. Q2 today, the day that this is being recorded on April 3rd, where they had another practice where, and I quote, C.J. Williams had his best day of camp so far. He had four or five catches over 20 yards um, from quarterback Braden Locke, who was the QB2, and had one where he laid out for a ball, another where he high-pointed and made a contested catch, and the third one he made a catch out of bounds but was able to get both feet down for a catch. C.J. Williams, someone may have said was going to have a great year and be the one to target for that Wisconsin offense. I don't know. May rhyme with Matt Mooning said that he was going to be there on top of that. He's been playing a lot in the slot, which I was not expecting. I thought he'd go outside. C.J. Williams, I think, is going to be the guy. I know a lot of people love Skylar Bell last year. Sorry. I really think it's going to be C.J. Williams. Moving on over to the Big 12, going over to Oklahoma. And we know Dylan Gabriel is going to be the starter. He's been consistently doing what the offense is built for him to do. He's continued to find receivers, make the right right uh, reads, and when he's had the chance, he's made big plays down the field. However, 
All the report, and I should mention that he is connecting well with Jaleel Farouk. So we've we've seen a lot of that. I believe both Austin, Nace, and Colin Decker on Campus Life have been saying, hey, Jaleel Farouk's the guy for Oklahoma this year. Those two seem to have like an amazing chemistry. They picked up a bunch of chunk plays on their scrimmage Saturday. That being said, Arnold is impressing. So early camp reports said that he was kind of struggling at first, that the speed of the game was kind of getting to him. Saturday, apparently, he looked phenomenal again. And many people believe, although he isn't pushing Gabriel for the starting job, Gabriel will be the starter, they believe that it should be a conversation that Arnold is looking that good. I still don't think he takes the job from Gabriel, but this has definitely got to be good news for Sooner fans, um, seeing how well Jackson Arnold is playing in spring alone. Um, they believe he should be in the conversation for the QB1. Khalib Hicks has been making plays, had a couple big runs on Saturday. Um, Gavin Sawchuk has looked good. Uh, but obviously the big news, if you're, if you're watching anything on Twitter, Nate Marquise uh, tweeted this out as well. Uh, Javante Barnes was seen in a boot cast um, on a scooter. So the report is that Boons, Barnes is dealing with a little bit of a dead bone of sorts in his foot. That's why he had the boot on. So, it was confirmed that he has had this dead bone issue fixed. It was a non-invasive surgery. It was going all the way back to his high school career with an injury he suffered there. So that scares me a little bit, but they did report that he's fine. It was a non-invasive surgery, which to me sounds like that's okay. And that he'll be back for summer workouts. So sounds like he's probably out the rest of spring, but nothing long-term that he's going to be back for summer. And they said that it, it, the foot is fixed. The report, the report was literally his foot is fixed now. It was a non-invasive surgery. So that part of it, I'm not a doctor, but that does sound good that the foot is fixed, non-invasive. So sounds like Barnes should hopefully be back and is likely still going to be him and Gavin Sawchuk leading this backfield, even though Khalid Hicks is getting some love for his big plays. Sticking in-state and going to Oklahoma State, Ollie Gordon. He was a guy we were kind of hoping was going to, to be the guy here for Oklahoma State's backfield. As Chris Berman would say, not so fast. So Mike Gundy was asked about a lot of his position battles this spring, and he said they're still waiting for Ollie Gordon to adjust physically to the physicality of the game. said he should be fine, but he hasn't proven anything to us yet. We have to give him a chance, so we'll see what happens over the next few weeks, but he has to prove to us that he can be physical. Don't really love hearing that from a head coach on a running back position. On top of that, in that same sense, he went out of his way to praise Elijah Collins, the transfer running back in, who he says is getting a lot of reps, and Gundy appreciates his maturity and what he brings to that position. I don't know if this means that you should fade Ollie Gordon, but a lot of people I, I know have been kind of hyping him to possibly be the guy for Oklahoma State this year, and it is still early. Doesn't mean he can't improve throughout spring and fall. But the fact that Mike Gundy is coming out and then praising Elijah Collins and saying that Ollie Gordon needs to show us some physicality and prove it to us doesn't necessarily sound great. On the quarterback position, it does seem like Alan Bowman has the lead here. He, he's been acting very mature, and Bowman has handled himself well. They've been rotating them in all three groups. That is Bowman going with the ones, Garrett Regel going with the twos, and Gunnar Gundy going with the threes. So Rangel and Gundy reports are have been moving fairly well. You can see that they have matured since last year. And the last player that he mentioned was Zane Flores, who he said is showing us exactly what he thought he was last year. He's very athletic, very powerful arm, but he's still trying to figure it out. You can see there's a lot going on for him. So it doesn't sound great 
for Zane Flores coming in and possibly getting that job. Garrett Rangel and Gunnar Gundy seem both to be behind one Alan Bowman. Moving on over to TCU, Bo Chandler Morse and Josh Hoover had good days again in practice nine, eight and nine. Looked up reports for eight and nine. Chandler Morse and Josh Hoover both had continuing good days throwing the ball. Morris had a good connection with JoJo Earl and Jordan Hudson, while Hoover showed some good connection with Jared Wiley. The big reports of the wide receiver was we already know Cardale Russell out. JoJo Earl continues to make big plays. He's caught quick passes today, broke multiple tackles, didn't waste any time getting downfield. He also had a big catch for over 15 yards in the one-on-one team period from Josh Hoover. So JoJo Earl making his name known here at TCU camp. Going on over to Texas, and this is the big one. So there was a lot of people, some of y'all, out here, yeah, I went the y'all right there, the Southern draw y'all. Arch Manning is going to start over Quinn Ewers and blah, 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 blah. Well, reports from the spring scrimmage on Saturday and the spring practice from Friday. Arch Manning is clearly the third string QB currently in spring. While Manning has definitely made some good plays, he is extremely raw compared to Malik Murphy and Quinn Ewers. That scares me a little bit, especially when you mentioned Malika Murphy in that conversation, who I feel is a little bit raw in himself. Said he's still got a lot of learning to do before he's ready to compete for the job. When I say that he is clearly the third, as in they are talking as well, is that Malik Murphy is clearly the two. He had a decent scrimmage. He got sacked a few times, but is still showing some good plays in backup to Ewers. Specifically had a play where he bought time and threw a beautiful ball over the middle, perfectly hitting wide receiver Jontae Cook in stride. Quinn Ewers, both on Friday and in the scrimmage Saturday, had a mistake-free day. Said Quinn Ewers continues to look good and is making strides every day. Doesn't sound like Archer's competing for that job here, folks. Sounds like it is fairly well established. Quinn Ewers is a starter. Malik Murphy is the two. And Arch Manning is the three. Doesn't mean Arch won't be the starter next year, but uh, I think even if Quinn struggles, you're not seeing Arch this year. We already know Jonte Cook's been on fire this spring. The only other player who's continued to stand out is Cedric Baxter. He's young. He's good. He looks really good, is what the coaching staff said. He's been extremely shifty. But the big thing that they've talked about is not necessarily his running, but how often he's been catching the ball in spring practices and in the spring scrimmage. This running back battle is going to be extremely interesting. Jonathan Brooks back, still not completely back in everything after dealing with that hernia surgery. We know we got Jade on blue who's gotten glowing reports as well, but Cedric Baxter just continues to get pumped up. And we have seen that Steve Sarkeesian is not afraid to play the running back that he likes the most. He's mentioned multiple times how everywhere he's been, he's had a thousand yard rusher. In fact, you go back through all the way through his time at Washington, USC, Alabama, and now Texas. I believe the lowest rushing yardage, except for the year at USC where he got fired mid-year, and that running back still had 900 yards. You can't hold that one against him. I believe the lowest rushing total was like 1,100 yards. What And on top of that, all his other running backs have gotten close over 100 carries and been in the seven to 800 range, the, the running back twos for the most part. I think Baxter's in for a big year. I know everybody loves Jonathan Brooks, and they're sold on him being the guy. I'm not. 
quite yet. I want to see how the rest of spring and fall goes, but I think things could be a shift in here in this running back room. This might sound crazy to say. I would not be surprised if Jonathan Brooks or Jadon Blue is transferred out by the May 1st deadline. And I don't think it's going to be Blue. Going over to Texas Tech, senior wide receiver Dre McCray, who transferred in from Austin P, has been really the player everyone is raving about. He's been the best wide receiver so far this spring because of his speed. His speed has, quote-unquote, by the coaching staff, been a game changer. Not much else, unfortunately, coming out of Texas Tech besides that. So that will do it for our Big Ten and Big 12 reports here. Again, we'll be back Tuesday with a Pac-12 and SEC spring reports, and then we'll be back again hopefully Wednesday with ACC, some independence. We'll see. I, I don't want to commit yet because Wednesday is a big day. If we do not back on Wednesday, we'll definitely back on Thursday. Thank you guys so much. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel. Turn that bell icon on so you don't miss any of these spring practice reports. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow night.